Hello. Welcome to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You are listening to a podcast all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Meg, your host as always, and I'm a staff writer at The Athletic covering the NWSL and the U.S. Women's National Team. So I've definitely got something different for you on today's episode. It is just me, but no mailbag today, though I'm sure that will make its return soon enough, perhaps with a little bit of a spin on that next version. But I wanted to go a little more in depth on a topic that would usually actually be an article. So this is an experiment for me and hopefully a successful one. But today I want to present my NWSL wishlist for the 2021 season. I wrote a version of the same piece ahead of the 2020 season and we all know how 2020 turned out. So first I want to revisit what I was hoping to see in 2020 and then also try to assess where the league made progress despite having to shift the format from a regular season into the Challenge Cup and the Fall Series. And then for the second half of the show, I'm going to add on six brand new items for this wish list. So, and I'm also going to skip right to the episode and forego the usual rundown. But first, as always, a quick reminder, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just $3.99 a month and also show your support for the coverage of women's soccer and women's sports by visiting theathletic.com slash full-time. So let's rewind to November 1st, 2019, which now feels like 20 years ago, uh, when I first published my 2020 NWSL wishlist. So here is what I wrote at the start of this story. The NWSL is swinging for the fences this offseason in a way the league never has before. Louisville City is already set for 2021 expansion, and the expectation still remains that Sacramento will be the 10th team in the league by the time play begins in 2020. President Amanda Duffy promised during championship weekend that all of the existing teams are expected to return next year. Plus, the new relationship between U.S. soccer and the NWSL is still in the works, but everyone expects for the federation to step back from its management role. On Friday, the NWSL announced the new compensation guidelines for 2020. As expected, they were a huge jump forward. The salary cap for next season has been raised almost 20% to $650,000. The league has also introduced allocation money. Player contracts can now span multiple years, giving players additional security. The financial cap on player housing and auto expenses has been done away with, and the league has introduced transfer fees. In short, the NWSL finally has some real ambition of its own, and the determination to remind everyone that it's still the best league in the world. So it is always fun to go back and see what happened and what didn't. Sacramento obviously took a very different path to expansion since November 1st, 2019. The NWSL now also has a commissioner instead of a president. But that ambition is still there. The league is still swinging for those same fences. And we're starting to see the real effects of allocation money. We finally got confirmation as well that U.S. soccer is stepping away from its management role of the league before the NWSL draft as well during Lisa Barrett's press conference. So with the stage set, I do want to revisit my 2020 wish list before adding on some new items for 2021. So let's start with transparency. Again, I'm going to read some of this. There is a link to this article in the episode description if you would rather read it, but I figure since not everyone who necessarily listens to this podcast actually actually subscribes um, to The Athletic that I would read some of the, the relevant portions. Uh, so here's what I wrote. 
The top item on my NWSL wishlist doesn't really require resources of any kind, just a culture shift. Operating with transparency and trust makes it easier for fans of all levels to engage with the league. The awards voting system needs fixing, more on that later, but even FIFA provides voting records for its awards. Discussing things that went wrong doesn't have to be a focus on failure if there's also an awareness of how they might go right in the future. Now, as a reminder, we were dealing with the fallout of the fairly miserable season-ending awards and the best 11 for the league back in 2019. Again, more on awards in a minute since they are they have, again, still much larger implications for getting awards right than there were in 2019 with the introduction of allocation money. But I do think that the league and the transparency of the league has increased overall under Commissioner Lisa Baird. She's certainly much more present in the media, which is a win for the league on a few fronts, both in improving the actual media coverage of the league a bit, but also sharing some of what actually happens at NWSL HQ. On that same note, I think that there is still room for improvement here, and the biggest example of this is the NWSL's approach to what happened in Utah concerning the work environment and culture of the organization under former owner Deloitte Hansen. Again, I was never expecting the league to hand out its report in full, but I was expecting perhaps some vague detail or confirmation that the investigation had confirmed multiple reports, including our work at The Athletic, of racist and sexist behavior from people in power in Utah. So I went back to find the audio from Lisa Baird's availability right before the draft, and I asked a question about the results of that report. And so here's my question and Lisa's answer in full. Back kind of to the expansion thing, I know that there is the clause within Utah of being able to potentially rejoin the league, but I was wondering if the league is planning on sharing the results of the investigation into the culture uh, that was happening within Utah Royals, within the Utah Soccer Holdings organization, since that was work that seems to have been completed. Yeah, no, we're not going to share that, Meg, but I, I, I want to say this, that the Utah Utah has some incredible soccer fans. They, they love soccer. They loved the Royals. And I saw a lot of that as we left. But I'm really pleased about what we're doing in Kansas City. Um, they are, like what they've done in just a few short weeks to, um, you know, get the players in, to develop the, this plan. I'm really excited about 21 and kicking off a, a great new market with Kansas City. Um, and uh, they are a phenomenal sports market for a lot of teams. And, you know, I had a couple of that wow from uh, people in other sports saying, you know, you're going to love this market. And after I talked uh, length with Angie and Chris and Hugh and everybody on the team, I'm pretty excited about that as a home. Okay. So again, I don't want to overlook that the NWSL was able to remove Hanson as an owner via the Kansas City Group. That process is still underway in Major League Soccer with the league itself now running the sale of Real Salt Lake. And these are delicate situations with legal ramifications on every side. But where full transparency might not have been possible, communicating what lessons were learned, what steps will be taken in the future to ensure toxic environments are not allowed to flourish or go unchecked across the NWSL, that would help. And it would have helped. So here's one of the good things that I'm seeing now that we're in 2021, and obviously we're back to thinking about playing games again. 
The league is reporting their COVID-19 testing results. On Wednesday, the league released the following. The NWSL's 10 teams officially began the 2021 preseason on Monday, February 1st, 2021. All players and designated staff were required to complete a seven-day quarantine and receive a negative COVID-19 test prior to participating in any team activities. Five individuals out of more than 600 tested the week of February 1st received confirmed positive results for COVID-19, including three players and two staff members. All necessary contact tracing was conducted. The individuals who received positive results, as well as any close contacts, are self-quarantining and following the guidance provided by their respective medical staffs and the league's medical protocols. The NWSL will continue to provide COVID-19 testing updates weekly beginning Saturday, February 20th, 2021. So I think a lot of us still have questions about the approach to preseason and the Challenge Cup with it being played in markets. We're going to set those aside because the NWSL is clearly going to push ahead here with their plans for the 2021 season. But being fully transparent about testing results and the timeline for which we can expect them is absolutely necessary and at least one really good sign on this transparency front. Moving on to a major brand refresh, that was my next item from the list. So I do think that there has been a bit of progress on the design front, Uh, a new look for the Challenge Cup trophy, obviously a new logo for the Challenge Cup in the fall series. Um, Famously, the Challenge Cup trophy, you could actually drink from it, always a win, uh, and certainly a win for the Houston Dash, and it survived, and it made the plane back to Houston and still is intact. So just really a win across the board. Now the brand refresh still needs to happen. uh, But the league in the meantime also has started trying to dabble in better merchandise for the NWSL as a concept itself, which is a good and long overdue thing. All of us watch what happened with the WNBA hoodie, right? So the league finally dropped some NWSL hoodies and different NWSL Uh, colors for the different markets, uh, the flannel shirts that just dropped, other things that seem to be doing relatively well. So mostly I'm going to give it a pass on this one considering 2020 and considering that it is really lower down the priority list when it comes to a lot of other things, but it's still such a first look optics thing that we've got to keep it on the radar. Next up, upgrade the kits. So we definitely saw some improvement here with solid looks for 2020, especially Portland, obviously another solid option from Chicago. I thought there was some real improvement at Sky Blue FC on this front, but again, hopefully we see even more in 2021, especially this is such an easy spot for the NWSL to differentiate itself from MLS, which is really stuck (laughs) with these very bland kits via Adidas. So there is some room here. It just requires upfront investment, which again has been kind of a struggle of the NWSL. But I see I see good things ahead here. Okay, my next ask was for turning the NWSL championship into an event. And well, we obviously did not get a 2020 NWSL championship at all, which honestly sucked for a lot of reasons, uh, simply because event or not, it is still the greatest weekend, I think, in NWSL women's soccer. Uh, (laughs) Just hanging out with people is great, and I miss it. Anyway, so obviously no grade here, and I'm just basically going to keep this one on the list for 2021. But again, there's just so much potential here, especially with so much new interest from sponsors. And on another note, I 
have no say in NWSL championship locations, much like I have no say on a lot of things, I promise you. But personally, I would be looking at Los Angeles for the 2021 championship. And I might just be saying this because I would like to go back to Los Angeles and go to Koreatown with Steph Young and also get all of the tacos I am physically capable of putting in my body, but I promise that there are actually other good (laughs) NWSL-related reasons as well. All right, on to the awards. There were really no traditional awards given in 2020, which makes sense, but I do want to revisit what I wrote in 2019 since there, there was all that controversy on a few fronts that urged a deeper look into how to make the awards voting process more representative of the regular season as a whole. So here's what I wrote. After the issues this year, it feels like there's enough momentum between players, fans, media, and team staff, and even parents, plus the knowledge that the league office should be staffed properly by the time the next voting season rolls around to assume this will be on the docket for 2020. It ended up being more than just a questionable best 11 and second 11. On Wednesday, the league announced the Defender of the Year, an award pretty much everyone expected to go to Casey Short. Now, just as a note, Casey Kruger, she had been on every single team of the month in 2019, and it looked promising that an outside back would win the award for the first time in the seven-year history of the league. Instead, Utah Royals FC center back Becky Sauerbrunn won the award for the fourth time in her career, despite only playing in 14 games this season. All right, so first, we do need more transparency on how the voting process works, and I would also argue that much like, again, the FIFA voting awards, voting should be made public. If you're voting on something, you should feel comfortable saying who you voted for when it comes to league awards and things like that. I don't think that should be a big ask of people. Here's what I suggested back in 2019, that it it could mean removing the fan vote. It could mean limiting team votes to one person, you know, one, either the GM or head coach or someone who is clearly paying attention, uh, limiting team votes to captains, and ensuring that media voters are balanced across the league's market. Now, I'm not sure that any or some combination or all of these would solve this problem, but I do think that at some point, a lot of people are going to have to put their heads together and break down the voting process to the very foundation and then build it up for scratch to make sure that it works for the NWSL. Again, with allocation money, having contingencies built on if players are making the best 11 or not. Now you have to make sure that those awards are are right and correct. It just it just is foundational now to the running of the league. Okay, so my notes for the next item of quote be proactive from my 2020 wish list simply read better but also no. Um I do think that there have been huge strides on this front. Again, we're, we're, the league is so boosted by the visibility of an actual commissioner who is doing things. Next up, I think, is enabling the players and the supporters. So here's what I wrote. Enable players to share content themselves, whether it's the schedule for the week, photos, or highlights of their own play, or bigger league news. There are platforms specifically designed to help on this front or task someone to handle it in-house. The NWSL doesn't exist without the players, and allowing them to feel some ownership of the league's off-the-field elements might also encourage them to share more. Their reach greatly outnumbers the direct reach of the NWSL. It's a win-win for everybody. I stand by all of that, 
And I would like to think that we would maybe see some version of this in 2021. But the other part of this too is that as we saw over the past year, the fans are going to mobilize on behalf of this league. The league needs to take advantage of it. All right, last but not least, let the culture thrive. So here's where I think the NWSL had some of its best success of 2020. Let's even look at the Orlando Pride as an example. So I was actually listening to some MLS and NWSL social media folks on Clubhouse on Tuesday night. P.S. If you understand what I should be doing with Clubhouse, please let me know. I'm happy to listen to suggestions because I don't know. Um, But Orlando staffers were discussing their approach to the team's social media, considering the team wasn't actually able to play in the Challenge Cup. They had the second highest engagement rate out of the teams, only bested by Portland, and the highest number of engagements and the best social value across all of the teams. And they didn't play. So we got organic stuff like the Pride Stay Anchors, the Playground, all of these other things that popped up. Everyone was online, and the fact that every single game was actually viewable and not stacked up against each other, that was another big win. But it's good when teams and the league are able to roll with the stuff that just happens naturally on social media. I do think that the league's content and social media need further investment and need to find a voice again. They need to stand out more. But overall, the landscape here has, I think, gotten better. Of course, again, there is room for improvement, which is still a work in progress reaching more diverse communities and more Spanish language content. We are, again, we're starting to see these things finally start to come into play. For instance, the Spirit now provide content in Spanish as well, and they're being, they're they're really one of the first teams to consistently do so. So that is a pretty big win. All right, so there is the complete list from the 2020 wish list. So obviously we're pushing some items onto the 2021 list, right? But I've got a big one for my list for the 2021 NWSL wish list. So this, to start off our our 2021 wish list, this is perhaps a very small ask in the scheme of things, but I think it's a very important one. Stop playing the national anthem. Stop. There's zero, zero need for it. And perhaps now, thanks to the Dallas Mavericks of the NBA, we have a first look at how this might or might not work. While the Mavs he's playing the anthem, the NBA then hit back saying every single team must play the anthem due to a long-standing policy, quote unquote. Never mind the fact that just because a policy is long-standing doesn't make it right or not, but we will table that one for now. Okay. We will respect and always have respected the passion people have for the anthem and our country, Mavs owner Mark Cuban said in a statement in response to the league's decision, but we also loudly hear the voices of those who feel that the anthem does not represent them. We feel that their voices need to be respected and heard because they have not been. Going forward, our hope is that people will take the same passion they have for this issue and apply the same amount of energy to listen to those who feel differently from them. Only then can we move forward and have courageous conversations that move this country forward and find what unites us. So there was plenty of discussion in the NWSL world about the anthem during last summer with an adjustment in the league's policy to allow players to stay in the locker room during the playing of the anthem. The NWSL stands behind every player, official, and staff member. Kneel on the field. Stand with your hand over your heart. Honor your feelings in the privacy of the locker room or at midfield. The statement from Lisa Baird and the league read back this summer. 
The NWSL is a league that was built on diversity and courage, and those principles will continue to drive us forward, end quote. Now, I also spoke with Lisa right after that policy was released, and here's what she had to say. I'm going to read these rather than actually digging out the audio from last summer, so apologies for that. It is getting late on Wednesday, and I want to make sure that this goes out on Thursday, but here's what she said. Our players, the majority of them, want to be a part of a significant conversation that is going on in America. It's not an easy conversation. Their voices are, I think, being heard. We want to give them that platform to do that. Now, as for the actual playing of the anthem and if it could possibly go away, here's what she said. It's impossible to separate that question from what the players want to do. What the players want to do for me is paramount right now. If I feel like that we have been working together to collaborate on our choice, I want to give them a flexible way to express themselves. This tournament has been driven by principles from the very beginning and not popularity and not the avoidance of controversy. It's been driven by principles. Great. At the end of the day, there is zero need to play the anthem before a domestic match. There are no international implications here. Every single team is in the United States. What are we adding by playing the national anthem before these games in the NWSL? I don't have a good answer for that. Okay, far bigger work here for my next item. Actually listening and elevating the league's black players and providing meaningful support structures. I've written on this before, so I do want to hit some of those same notes as the last time around in case you didn't read them, but the league has to do better here. Storytelling is important, but I'd like to see training and education at the league level, at the team level, perhaps even at the fan level, considering some of the incidents that players have gone through and the fact that they said that they don't feel mentally or emotionally safe every time that they've walked in to an NWSL stadium. Every level. Yes, these require resources and time, but they don't require another year of planning. As I wrote last month, if there is one lesson that 2020 should have drilled into our heads, it's that these resources have historically been underutilized when it comes to diversity and inclusion of the NWSL. There is room for both increased pressure and improvement here, in my opinion. So it is on us to hold the league and the teams accountable here. And I just think the important note on this particular thing is that it is in a constructive way that encourages that improvement. All right, next item. On the TV front, the main goal here that I would like to see is cracking 1 million viewers. It is within reach with some work, but this means that we need additional promotional and marketing support from CBS. I mean, I honestly could not help but note, not that I watched the entire Super Bowl, I did not, so I don't wanna pretend like I did. Um, I couldn't help but note that there was not much at all on the NWSL front when it came to promote that shift from CBS All Access to Paramount Plus during all of the Super Bowl ads. So that's number one, right? CBS has paid the league money to show NWSL games. Hopefully some of that investment can also go to supporting for people to watch those games. That also means a real focus, both from CBS and from Twitch, but also the league on ensuring people know how and when to watch matches. And that is the incredible importance of national television games. 
Now, I know that there's always some jokes on MLS Social whenever teams are forced to share TV matches or playoff matches that they're not actually playing in, but NWSL can't afford that right now. I get the humor of it. NWSL can't afford it. There's a much larger common goal, and all hands need to be on board proving to CBS that games deserve to be on television and deserve to be on big CBS more than once or twice a year. And that's how this league is going to crack a million viewers for a game. Okay, bouncing off of that idea a bit, I'm also wishing that the NWSL learns its lessons from 2020. And I think that there is a good chance of this one happening. And with everything being remote, that meant that geographic boundaries of markets meant less. So with everything that was going on, supporters could be anywhere and have access to players or the teams at the exact same level. And even as I'm writing this, Sky Blue FC is emailing about digital memberships for the 2021 season, which is a very good sign to me that some lessons have been learned. So obviously this balance is going to shift back in a post-pandemic world, but we shouldn't lose it altogether. And the NWSL also has global aspirations, and there are lessons here on how to attract and retain international fans as well. But one of the big primary lessons of 2020 for everyone, I think, is something that a lot of us, you know, I've been on both sides of this line, but storytelling is crucial. And that sort of content means making connections far beyond the stadium, far beyond what's happening on the field. And enabling fans to share highlights and other content is great, but also understanding the community and interaction with that community is the other just as important piece here. All right, next up. On the player side, I am wishing for a collective bargaining agreement to be signed between the NWSL players and the league. The league did formally recognize the Players Association as a union years ago, but a CBA has always been on the back burner for, I mean, since the union was recognized. It's time to change that, and the NWSL can also look to how much was accomplished in the WNBA and their new collective bargaining agreement that started in 2020. And it's much more than just player salaries. The structure of the league could change. Say, free agency, right? Something that I think would vastly improve the quality of the NWSL. Here's some other potential benefits straight from the WNBA release itself. Additional highlights include enhanced player experience with respect to travel and child care benefits, also super needed in the NWSL, and expanded off-season career development opportunities. The landmark agreement also features a more liberal free agency system and a more robust and equitable revenue sharing model based on league revenue growth. So the line of thinking around the NWSL is that this has always been a long-term bet that will eventually pay off, right? Ownership is a long-term bet. People are finally going to realize women's soccer has value. And as TV deals happen, as sponsorships and so on and so on, money is going to start coming in. We're starting to see that shift now. The players and the Players Association have played nice over the past few years because they knew the league was still growing. They knew the league was in what everyone kind of viewed not necessarily as a precarious position, but not not a precarious position, right? So even with the impacts of COVID-19, though, the NWSL's growth trajectory still looks strong. Angel City FC coming into this league, Sacramento coming into this league. We're looking at probably two more expansion teams after that in 2023, right? There is money coming into the league. 
It's time for the players to secure the bag. Finally, make plans, real ones. We know what the landscape looks like when it comes to international soccer over the next decade. The Olympics, the 2023 World Cup, the Men's World Cup here in America in 2026, 2027 World Cup, and then LA hosting the 2028 Olympics. But how is the league approaching this very busy international calendar to maximize its opportunities? Is planning already underway for the 2023 World Cup? I mean, yes, we have to get through the Olympics first, but we should already be looking at 2023. And there are some events that I didn't even mention here, the Euros, for instance. But beyond just the waves that the league can surf when it comes to increasing the fandom and the coverage and the eyeballs, are there plans to make sure that the NWSL stays a destination of choice for international players and for domestic players? (laughs) I'm not going to get into the NWSL versus FAWSL argument here, but that is also very much uh, a part of this conversation. But especially now that the league's relationship with U.S. soccer has changed or is changing or is in the middle of changing, right? That manager position is now firmly with the league. Could they increase the number of international slots to make it easier for teams to sign international talent, for instance? So here's the other part of this. If you loop people in on what you're thinking, even if you change directions or you scale back your plans eventually, it allows them to help you. I hit this point so much with the NWSL. All the time. I I frequently feel like a broken record, but I still think the league as a collective whole continues to succeed despite itself sometimes. Get the the boats pointing in the same way. Start rowing together. Don't be precious about who gets credit. Just get the work done and enjoy the benefits of that work. There is still so much room for everyone, and there are so many people who want to help you. Use them. All right, so we're 31 episodes into this podcast. This was the first real attempt at a solo episode not driven by a mailbag, so hopefully it didn't miss the mark too much. Also, stay tuned this month. I would like to ask those of you who subscribe to the show, who regularly listen to the show, for your thoughts on what you would like to see this year. I know Everyone in NWSL Women's Soccer loves a survey, so that is a project for me over the next week. Uh, One more thing, as always, if you follow me on basically any social media, you know how I feel about beer, uh, particularly Pilsners, and particularly a Vermont brewery called Zero Gravity. So they actually have an Italian Pilsner heading into cans and distribution this week. Uh, so if you are in the Northeast, if you are in their distribution area, keep an eye out for Pisolino. We had it at the brewery when it was in a growler only option. It is amazing. I am going to go to my local market that happens to stock zero gravity. And uh, depending on how much is in stock, I might buy it all <laughs> at minimum, like four, four, like we're talking a case here. So uh, highly, highly recommend it. Okay. As always, the new home for the show is fulltimepod.com. We have the new trailer for 2021 that you can share. We have links to Apple, Spotify, Google, The Athletic, everywhere that you can listen. Also, as a reminder, if you would like to skip the ads, you can always listen to the show using The Athletic site or app. That version should be ad-free for if that makes a difference for your listening habits. All right, so as always, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing the show. Um, 
your ratings and reviews help this show grow, especially iTunes is honestly crucial. Um, and I am much like I was obsessed with my 500 ratings, unfortunately very obsessed with the the listener charts on iTunes. So as you rate and review the show, that makes a huge impact. So I appreciate everyone going the extra mile on that front. Um, as always, again, reminder from the top of the show, if you want more women's soccer content plus everything else The Athletic has to offer for just $3.99 a month, you can start your new subscription at theathletic.com slash full-time. You can find me on Twitter at It's Meg Linehan. Our podcast producer is Michael Zimmerman, who I'm sure had some fun with this episode tonight. From The Athletic, I am Meg Linehan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.